They rejected the need, for instance, 
Christ. Give me all the benefits of Christ, but keep the church, keep the word, keep all that to yourself. Just let me live in the grace of Christ. Well, that's not possible. In order to have the grace that comes from God and be made available through Christ, we have to be obedient servants of God. We don't simply allow that. We don't simply have that and be able to live however we want. So rejecting the need for the Lord's church is another way to, to find ourselves on the path to hell, on the path to eternal damnation. Rejecting the need for the Lord's church. And then next, rejecting the existence and the teachings on eternal damnation. You know, there are some out there who say, well, hell, this isn't really a place. That once your life ends, that, you know, you, you just end. Some will say, well, when your life ends, yes, you go to judgment and you're cast, you know, the, the unbeliever whoever is cast out, but then you're ultimately burned up, ultimately destroyed, and so you come to, to, you cease to exist. You know, the Bible doesn't teach you any of that. In fact, Mark tells us, I believe, three times, he describes the other place where the flame is not quenched and the worm dieth not, which means that pain and agony continues on. Think about that. Where the flame is not quenched, which means the fire is always going. And the worm dieth not, which means there's no death there. That defeats the idea of annihilation, as some would call that. There are some in some more Catholic friends who say, well, you reside in this place, and eventually someone, you know, they say enough prayers, they give enough money to the priest, that you're eventually brought out of hell. That you don't abide there in that place for all eternity, then you eventually get to go to heaven. Again, not found in the scriptures. You remember the rich man Lazarus, and he had there the idea of torment, the Hadean realm, torment in paradise picture. We know that even in torment, the rich man was not allowed to leave. There was no place he could go. He says, I cannot go to him. He cannot come to me. Talking about the rich man coming to the Lazarus coming to him, nor him going over to Lazarus. That great gulf that was fixed. No one could come to him to, to cool the, to cool his tongue because he was remember he said he was tormented in the flame. There was no place to have. There was no way to leave. One will miss heaven when they reject Christ and his word. This includes the teachings of Christ on eternal damnation. Because when you reject the teachings of Christ, you reject the teachings of God. Christ himself says, My doctrine is not my own, but of him who sent me, which is reference to God the Father. Think about this for a second. There are no atheists in heaven, no matter how kind or popular they may be. Atheists, being defined as they are, so we mean someone who does not believe in God. They deny the existence of God. Well, they don't have heaven as their home. Not even close. No friend of theirs can pray them out of that place. No, they'll be there for all eternity. Rejecting the existence and the teachings on eternal damnation is only the way for some to try to deny the, ugly, the, the truth that hell is very real. That exists for those, for a place for those who, are, who have rejected God, rejected Christ, but also those who have accepted the gospel but then departed from it. It's a place for them as well. Christ tells us there in the book of Matthew about 
who come to him and say to him, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name and done all these things in your name? And he said, I will tell them to depart from me if I never do you, right? Because they are workers of lawlessness, doing lawless things. The book of Revelation mentions those who are cast in the lake of the fire and brimstone, which is the second death, a place which there is no returning from. You know, some sometimes confuse the bottomless pit of Revelation. They confuse that with the lake of fire and brimstone. There are two separate things. The bottomless pit, we have those who are pictured as rising up time and time again from the bottomless pit, which is just a figure of evil rising up over and over again throughout history. But when Satan has these pictures being cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death, he knows he's not pictures ever coming back. Because once you're cast in that place, there is no return. There's no rising up. It's a place designed by God for punishment of all those who have refused to come to Him. Some things for us to consider this evening. Being condemned to be separated from God is not difficult. To find yourself on the path to hell is not a difficult path to find yourself on. Anyone can find themselves on it. You know, we talk about sometimes, you know, when we're traveling, we might stop and usually might stop and ask them, well, how do you get to such and such place? And usually their instructions would include some something to the phrase, if you got if you see this, you've gone too far. As you know, spiritually speaking, when we no longer see God on our radar, so to speak, we have gone too far. When God's word is no longer important to us, when God is no longer important to us, and the church is no longer important to us, like we talked about this morning, we have found ourselves on a pathway to eternal damnation. Being condemned to be, separ- to be condemned to be separated from God is not difficult. The Bible is clear about the roadmap to hell. That is a path that includes selfishness, arrogance, idolatry, lust. And a multitude of other wicked attitudes, actions, and ways of life. You know, going back to uh, Ephesians there, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 7, mentions several of those things, doesn't it? Idolatry and fornication and all those uh, coarse jesting, all those things he says which are, not, which are not fitting. He tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 6, Therefore, let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things, that is, all those sinful actions, the lifestyles mentioned in verses 3 through 5. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And we mentioned this morning how the church is the family of God. We have sons and daughters. We have the Father of God, pictured as the Father of Christ, pictured as the Son. And here, though, the wicked are pictured as the sons of disobedience. Their family is wickedness. Their family is the world. And what comes upon them, he says here, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And he tells us in verse 7, Therefore, that is because of all these things, therefore do not be partakers with them. Why? Because we'll find ourselves being separated from God when we're living as they are living. 
God is not difficult. Going to heaven is the hard part. Going to heaven is the hard part. You look at Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Now, I may mention this earlier. Here, Christ speaks and says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, to the kingdom of heaven, but he who does will my Father in heaven. You know, if you quoted that verse to some today, there would be those who get upset with you. Everyone's going to heaven. How can a loving God send someone to hell? Friends, how could someone who claims they know God end up in hell? If you truly love God, as so many claim they do, because there are those today who are Christians, and they use that term very generically, as one neighbor told me years ago, we're all Christians over here, but every Sunday their cars never moved. Not even to their, to their various denominations. And so when someone asks, how do loving God send someone to hell? How does someone who claims they love God end up in hell? Because they haven't been honest, have they? They don't really love God. Looking again there in Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, to the kingdom of heaven. But he who does will my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Meaning, have we not done all these good deeds? So called the name of God. Friends, this reminds us that good deeds do not get us to heaven. Verse 23, Christ responds and says, Now I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's not that they committed one single sin. He says they practice lawlessness. Lawlessness is sin. Practice indicates it is something which it is their way of life. You know, sometimes when you talk to different individuals who involve different types of work. They say, well, I'm a practicing lawyer, which means they're continually, they're continuing in the action of being a lawyer. That is their job. Practice lawlessness means that's their way of life. That's who they are. That's why Christ says he does here in verse 23. Notice there he says, then I... He's referencing the judgment day, and he gives a clue about who's going to be there. He says, I, him, Christ, says, will declare to them, I never knew you. Why? Well, he will declare to who? Those in verse 22. He said, he done all these things in his name. Those same individuals in verse 21 who assume that all will go to heaven. Lord, Lord, uh, everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, says the kingdom of heaven. Verse 22, there's an example. Lord, Lord, we've done all these things. And Christ said, I'll tell those people what, verse 23, I never knew you. Why do you never know them? He tells them why. Because they practice lawlessness. They practice sin. It's their way of life. If one wants to be separated from God, then they will be. If you want to be away from God, because some people today, despite, you know, some may not say this, but their actions seem to bear it out, the idea of being obedient to God is one they hate. Because they view God as a binding cord that keeps them from doing what they want. We all see those zip ties, right? When you're trying to secure something, maybe it's just temporarily wrapped around something, you pull it through and you hear that little zip, and you know you've done it the right way, and it's going to hold it in place. At 
least for a while. You know, there are some of you God that way and things away. He said, that biting, and they don't want that. They want to snip that off and be able to do whatever they want. What happens when you cut something loose that should be bound and held in place? Should you have wires in your vehicles bouncing around all over the place with moving parts, you know, mobile things, in place, out of the way? You know, a lot without God is that way. Everything's just moving around, waiting for something to be ripped out and cause grave damage. We should not view God as the one who is binding us, but as one that is trying to keep us secure and safe and out of harm's path, that is hell. You ever thought about that, how much God has done to try to keep us out of hell? He sent his son down the cross, but you know, that's not it. That's not all he's done. Think about all those men we read about, men and women we read about in the Old Testament. Think about Moses and Abraham and Isaac, all and all their examples, all their determination to do what was right and good and pleasing to God because they were convinced that the Messiah was going to come. Think about Hannah and Esther and numerous other ladies in the web as well. He wanted to be those who did what was right and pleasing to the sight of God. Because they too knew that one day the Messiah would come. And as we move to the New Testament, we see Christ coming just as was prophesied. We see the apostles there. We see numerous disciples there, learners of Him. We see others who were not apostles, but were great figures in the New Testament, men and women, who were not only seeing Christ with their eyes, but were convinced and convicted that His words would lead them to eternal life. God allowed those things to be laid out before us because He wants us to skip the second death. You know, if Christ doesn't return before we die, then we'll have to die once. We realize no man has to die twice. Hell being referred to as the second death, and no one has to face that. If we do face that, it's because we have chosen it. If one wants to be separated from, from, the, from the wicked, and dwell with God for all eternity, and His Word tells us what we need to do. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 tells us, here the apostle Paul speaking, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first and for the Greek. Why is I not ashamed of the gospel? Because it is the power of God to, or the King James says, unto salvation. It leads us to salvation. Just as there are paths that lead to heaven, there's also a path that leads to hell. And we can choose which one we, we are going to be on. We can choose which one we want to avoid. And so we close this evening asking this one final question. How do you know if you are going to heaven? Because friends, the options of the world is only two. If we don't know we're going to heaven, then we're at risk of going to hell. So the question has to be, how do we know we're going to heaven? You know, there are some today who live in doubt. There are nothing wrong. You hear people say, well, no, I hope so. I hope so. You know, I say that about mechanics. I hope they can fix whatever it is. When it comes to heaven, I don't want to say, I hope so. 
We won't be able to say, I know so. Because the Bible reveals what we can do, so we can say, I know that heaven's my home. Because I am striving to obey God's word when I make it, make a mistake, when I sin, I repent of it, and I'm trying my best to be in the pathway of God. The path at least to heaven. And there's some that say, well, I'm trying my best around it or not. We don't, we don't want to be those. We want to be those who are seriously saying, I'm doing everything I can. Everything within my power to make sure that when Christ comes on the day of judgment, that I am ready. And we don't meet him with fear, but we meet him with expectation. Because the Christian on the day of judgment should have nothing to fear. Let the wicked be those who live in fear. This evening, as you think about these things, we can help your situation. We can do so. We can pray for you. Offer words of encouragement, whatever it may be. We can let it do so. That's going to be standing and singing the song that's been selected.